Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have an unbelievable show for you this week. It's the first part of our two-part season four finale. Michael Lamar is my guest. We discuss the origin of Easy to Master Miracles, his relationship with Di Vernon, and so, so much more. Nick Capo joins me in the show to discuss the feature part of the week from Nicholas Lawrence. Before all of that, we kick things off with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians discuss the literature they would love to be lost at sea with. This week, mentalist and virtual show impresario Jason Saran joins me for Desert Island Magic Books. Jason Saran, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for Desert Island Magic Books. Let's suppose you wash up on a desert island with one magic book, but it's made of Tyvek, so it won't fall apart in the wind and the rain and the sand. What is your Desert Island Magic Book? I have put way too much thought into this question because my original thought premise was, okay, I'm stuck on a desert island, so I want the book with the most tricks that I'm interested in. So my first thought was T.A. Waters' Mind, Myth, and Magic because it's a very large mentalism book, and I like mentalism, so I thought, okay, that'll take me a really long time to go all the way back through and read everything in. But then I realized that that's stupid because I'm on a desert island, which means I can't actually practice mentalism, <laughs> right? Because what am I going to do? I'm just going to read these f-ing tricks, and I'm not going to be – I didn't actually ask if I can say uh, – It's the, fine. That's fine. Keep going. On the show. I assume I can. But uh, so, so that's out. That's out. So I think what you want is probably just like the largest collection of – tactile tricks that you can possibly do because then you can entertain yourself at least so i would say probably the tarp and something i haven't read in full because if i've already read it why the hell would i bring it on a desert island that's dumb so i want something new so i would say because i haven't actually gone through it all the entire tarbell series that's probably the answer right so uh I'm going to I'm going to stop you right there for two reasons. One, the rule is on this show it can only be one book, and people try and weasel around it by getting like a series like the Tarbell. So I have to limit you to one volume. But I will also say, in the context of this question, we have established that this desert island has a magic shop and lay people, and so there's people you can perform for. There's a nice resort with food. Uh, it's just that the magic shop doesn't have any books. That's why you're washing up with one book. So you will have people to perform for, and May you I can't acquire say, props. This island sounds lovely. I know. It's it's spectacular. We're trying to... Uh, okay. Ho- hopefully for the 500th episode, we'll, we'll broadcast directly from this island. But uh, you can go with uh, T.A. Waters' yeah. Mind, Myth, and Magic then. <laughs> You, yeah, I think I'm back. Okay, I'm back to T.A. Waters, Mind, Myth, and Magic. Okay, all right. So tell me about Mind, Myth, and Magic. What is it that brings you back to this book over and over again? I just remember that book blowing my mind the first time I I read it. Mm. It was probably like the fourth or fifth. It was probably the fourth or fifth mentalism book I bought. I, I kind of remember the order of like, I remember the order of in which... Uh, Adam Blumenthal of Tannen's Magic sold me mentalism books. Like I remember, he, like he leveled me up each time. Yeah. Um. And I, the first one, and this was very smart of him. This was very smart of Adam Blumenthal. Mm-hmm. The first book he sold me was not Thirteen Steps to Mentalism. Oh yeah. The first book he sold me. Can you guess? Ooh. Uh... Can you do you want to try to guess what the first book was? It was. It's really smart if somebody walks into a magic shop knowing almost nothing about mentalism, having seen Darren Brown, having watched The Mentalist, wanting it to be real, quote-unquote, right? If you want to get, like, it's the closest thing to a book of the real tricks that you that you could give somebody who wants that part of it to be real. Oh, was it like a Banachek psychological subtleties book? Yep. 
Yes! Psycho, not even one. This is how smart he was. Yeah. that he was like, no, 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 one's not that gear. Banachek psycho, Psychological Subtleties 2. Wow. That was yeah. your first book. Okay, so he sells you this one that gets you in on the ground floor. And yeah. Then he starts leveling you yeah. up to better stuff. Well, not better, just different. Some, some might say leveling you down, right? It's mm. actually a very smart way to like of easing somebody into the reality of what mentalism is, <laughs> right? Because if you just if you just hand them 13 steps, they're going to be if if what they've seen up until that point is, you know, the cultural representation of mentalism. Yeah. 13 steps can be a very disappointing experience. So it was almost yeah. a way of like easing me into the truth. That's such a great like I know that this is something where this is one of those segments where we're supposed to be talking about T.A. Waters, Mind, Myth, and Magic or whatever, but like that idea of bringing somebody into the world of mentalism through these tricks that are relatively simple, right? Because the stuff in Psychological Subtleties too isn't like rocket science, but the construction Not of the effects all. and the way it works is so, so good. I mean, there's a reason. Yeah, and you, like... Right, you read like the cat force or the, yeah. the like no, I don't yeah the cat remember the cat force with the and you know the tail and everything yeah. and the oh you drew the smiley face first yeah you read that as your as your page one into mentalism and you're just like it's all real yeah you know <laughs> so it's it was it was it was to this day that's still how I recommend you know when people at when somebody wants to get into mentalism you know if they've had like a little bit of exposure to magic so far I tell them to start with you know I still recommend that book first and then work their way into the into the canon well ta waters mind myth and magic as a vehicle for us to discuss psychological subtleties too is an amazing answer on this show jason saran thanks so much for joining us on desert island magic books thank you so much i'm realizing we did not i managed to give that answer without <laughs> saying a single thing about that book but it is a great it is a great book love it Thanks to Jason Saran for joining me on the show. If you are ever in New York City and have a chance to see him at Speakeasy Magic, don't hesitate. Get those tickets and go see that show. On to the main event. When it comes to magic instructors, there is one name that stands head and shoulders above the rest. He didn't just inspire, he taught generations of magicians the real work on magic. He's not just the godfather of video tutorials, he's a student of Di Vernon and a FISM champion. Michael Lamar is one of those rare living legends that is not only walking around, but still producing amazing magic. I met up with Mr. Lamar at Magic Live in Las Vegas, where we sat down for an expansive interview. And now you get to join our conversation. Michael Lamar, thank you so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm unbelievably excited to have you on because everybody has been asking me since I started this, when are you getting Amar on the show? Wow, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad uh, that we made, we, we made time. Yes. Uh, this is a, a very intense convention, just packed stuff, and uh, and we made time for this. And ma it's Magic Live, and, and you know, as you and I were walking over here, it was kind of fascinating. I was asking you, oh, are you performing or lecturing? And you just said, no. I'm 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 just coming and it's really wonderful to know that some of your heroes in magic still just go to magic conventions because they like magic <laughs> right you know I, I am kind of spoiled and and that I get invited to enough conventions to where yeah. you know I kind of scratch that itch <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know this is the kind of convention you want to come to not just for the content but for the people that it's gathered yes you know from all corners of the world that uh, you rarely get to see yeah and it's just been one you know meeting uh, after another of, of people that's just great to talk to yeah it, it really is yeah i would be remiss if i didn't ask you about where the easy to master miracles 
course, came from. Because so many magicians, that's how they got started in magic. Well, it's an interesting story. You know, the timing is is a big part mm-hmm. of uh, things like that. And uh, at that time, this was the end of the 80s, and, and magic videos were going in a different direction. Uh, they were going in the direction of just recorded lectures, mm-hmm. uh, not performances in front of live audiences, uh, and, you know, and and lecture explanations, yeah. you know, just uh, straightforward. And magicians, the performers were intimidated by video because they felt like, uh, people will be able to duplicate me exactly. Yeah. They'll be able to imitate everything I do. And and so uh, they didn't want to put their best stuff on there, and they were expensive. So it was about $75 an hour. So it was, the, the market was just going in a different direction. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I kind of felt like, you know, video hadn't been used the in the right way, mm-hmm. you know, to, to have an inspiring performance uh, and then a scripted explanation mm-hmm. and then over-the-shoulder views yeah. of, of the technique so that I don't have to kind of reverse it in, in my head uh, mm-hmm. and uh, slow motion and just what, what if you tried every trick in the book yeah. to make this interesting and compelling? And... Um, and so I released a, a set of three uh, videos called Classic Renditions yes. uh, that had the super practice stuff and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. At the same time, The Magic of Michael Amar came out, and it was a, the book was a big hit. Yeah. And so Lewis says, we, we should do uh, The Magic of Michael Amar videos. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll do them just like, the, we'll use that super practice thing that you do, and... Uh, <laughs> You know, we'll kind of ride the coattails of these book sales. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, I tell you the kind of video that I would like to have <laughs> would yeah. be a video of just like all the really great card tricks. <laughs> you know, I, wouldn't, I mean, what if what if every card trick was great mm-hmm. and, and it was taught really well? And, you know, I would. Uh, I would prefer that over the magic of Michael Lamar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any day, and uh, and so we talked about it a bit, and uh, and several things came together. He's like, you know, Michael Skinner uh, mentioned to me one time. He says, "I always learn my tricks in sets of three, because mm-hmm. uh, that way, when I remember one trick, I'm remembering three tricks." And I said, "Well, that's, that's a really good idea." So, well, let's 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 combine these tricks. Yeah. And uh, little sets of three and maybe four uh, that lead one right into the other. Uh, and let's have a live audience and let's do all those over the shoulder things. And, and uh, you know, and for the guys that feel like, uh, you know, all the, the, the real work is in the books, you know, mm-hmm. we'll even we'll even give you the real secret. Yeah. You know, it's even more important than the techniques. And uh, uh, and so we, we just tried every everything we could think of. To put together a set of videos that that we would like to have, you know, on, on a library shelf, along with all the books, you know. You know, when I when I worked in a magic shop, it was one of those things that when someone would come in and say, "I'm interested in learning magic," I, you know, they got a kit and they wanted to get more. I mean, those videos were very often ones that it was easy to just go this. Well, this. that's really what made a difference in the sales. Yeah. In those days, there were still magic shops. Yeah. 
Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by In the Clear from Nicholas Lawrence. Nick Lacapo, join me via Zoom to discuss this self cellophane-based miracle. Nick, you know that I get calls all the time for crazy gigs with super demanding clients who have very specific needs. Yes, yes. Like the guy that, like the client that called up and asked specifically for you to tear the corner off a bill and then Mm -hmm. restore it. Same guy has me and uh, coming up at a gig and he said, I need you to be able to make something visually change inside the cellophane of a card box. Oh, well, good. That's easy because there's this trick called. In the clear by Nicholas Lawrence. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, that does exactly that, right? So you can, you know how your deck of cards has a cellophane on it, right? You yeah. Tear that off, like you're going to open the box, but then like instead just slide the cellophane like halfway out, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And you can show that you stuff a, a folded playing card in there. So, you, you, you know, this is this all happened before you're going to do the trick, right? Mm-hmm. So you've, you've stuffed, like, let's say, a, a folded red card and it's sitting on the inside of the, the cellophane, which is half pushed off the back of the deck of cards. There's no way in there. No. Right? No. There's, there's no way in there to like manipulate that without removing the box of cards, right? So you could start uh, any card routine and like have a card chosen and selected and signed and you can do anything you want. But imagine if like you could make that card vanish and then that card is the folded card that is contained in the cellophane trapped by the box of cards. That's, it's you, such a wild visual. Yeah, you can do that with this. You can also do transformations with this gimmick as well. So like you can, even though that thing is, the card is is trapped in the cellophane, just with a little shake, you could get it to change into maybe like a half dollar or something like that. It can do color changes and all sorts of things. It's a switching device that happens with the cellophane off the back box of your deck of cards. I love that this just lives on the box of cards and you can just sort of have it ready to go whenever you want. So it's it's not it's not like a, a strange little plastic box or anything like that. You're already using you know the box for some tricks and the and the box of uh, the box of cards is like already out. So you can just do an impossible like a card to impossible location just kind of whenever you want. Like it allows for some really cool visual moments but also some great jazz moments. Yeah, yeah. I mean you just like anything else, you got to have it set up before the trick starts most, most times. But you're right. The gimmick itself just lives on the box. So it's not like you have to like some complicated setup or anything like that. Um, it's just it, it's just there, ready to go. It's well worth your attention. In the Clear by Nicholas Lawrence. Check it out. That was In the Clear by Nicholas Lawrence, available at penguinmagic.com. As always, the incredible listeners to our show receive 25% off the featured product of the week when they enter a special discount code at checkout. This week, that code is TRANSPARENT. That's TRANSPARENT, T-R-A-S-P-A-R-E-N-T, for 25% off In the Clear by Nicholas Lawrence. That code is only good for In the Clear and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with Michael Amar. You know, when I, when I worked in a magic shop, it was one of those things that when someone would come in and say, I'm interested in learning magic, I, you know, they got a kit and they wanted to get more. I mean, those videos were very often ones that it was easy to just 
Go, this well, this. that's really what made a difference in the sales. Yeah. In those days, there were still magic shops. Yeah. And every magic shop used to have a thing that was, well, if you're really interested in magic, you should try this. And usually it was yeah. something like the Tarbell course. Yeah. Uh, or something like that. And, uh, and this became that next easy thing uh, oh if you're really interested in magic you should try these three there's yeah. all great card tricks you can do them all and everything and so by becoming that thing that that influencers yeah <laughs> the, 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 the guys at the counter mm-hmm. in magic shop uh, at the time uh, that was what they would recommend yeah and and that really helped uh, you know make that make those shows more than just like a recent release. It became yeah. like a consistent yeah. thing, you know, not just, uh, well, you know, if, uh, you know, it's all about the first week sale. Yeah. <laughs> and after that, it's, it's downhill. This, it was a consistent seller. It's definitely a different time. Yeah. And I, you know, I know that as I have grown in my role at Penguin and taking on other people's tricks and teaching them, I often find myself going back to some of these early videos where the the magic was taught and it was really, I mean, I'm watching it as a teacher to learn how to teach. Uh, Honestly, I I don't know that you could produce a set uh, of videos in the same way. Yeah. To have that full live audience. Mm -hmm. Uh, These were like four and five camera shoots. Yeah. uh, And these guys were really experienced Mm -hmm. at doing them. Um, Yeah, it's... They really did a great job. I gotta, I gotta tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. Do you, do you feel a, a sense of responsibility in how you have inspired so many people into magic? I mean, because it's, I know that I've talked to Nick Lacapo about this. There are many people who he was their first magic teacher, yeah, and he is their consistent yeah. magic teacher, and they forged a relationship with him through that screen that. They've had an entire conversation with him that he's never been a part of. And I'm I'm discovering that with myself now. Yeah. But you, I mean, it's millions of people. Well, you know, at the time, we did feel a responsibility. But, uh, you know, it, it was more along the lines of we know we're transferring all this content from print mm-hmm. into video mm-hmm. for the first time. Yeah. And, and the transition of that, Content into this new medium needed to be done in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, it needed to be done, you know, not just by giving, you know, credit to somebody. You had to get permission mm-hmm. because just, you know, you can't just do another guy's trick yeah. uh, and just cover your base by saying it's just, and it's his trick. Yeah. You know, yeah. So you have to get permission. You want to do the, the best job you can at mm-hmm. keeping the credit yeah. uh, with it, you know, because. You know, if if the credit for the creator kind of drops from between print and video, yeah, you know that that might be a, a, a you know a real drop, yeah, uh, of that connection. If, if you so, we, we felt responsibilities in that way that mm-hmm. maybe we were establishing protocol for the for a new approach. Yeah, you know, I, I want to shift the topic just a little bit because I'm sure you've been talked to to death about that, um, and this is a personal. Uh, perk of the job one of my first introductions to you was watching you on david letterman uh-huh right what, oh, oh really yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the experience like performing 
on on the Late Show with with Letterman? Well, you know, I had the advantage of being able to see a couple of the guys yeah. uh, do their sets mm-hmm. before uh, I went up. And what I, I tended to notice is that your tendency is to want to do your best trick. Yeah. You know, even if it's not the right situation mm-hmm. for it, uh, even if you should be facing front with a table in the center of the state <laughs> because they want you to sit on the couch. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to make this work. Yeah. You know, turning sideways and, and, and uh, doing all this stuff. So, um, you know, I, I let go of the idea that I needed to try to do my very best trick yeah. on there, uh, but to instead to just do material that kind of plays Played well in that situation, yeah. Where you're just kind of sitting back, and he's sitting here, mm-hmm. and and you can comfortably go into it, um, and and I also kind of restructure. You know, I said, you know, why do the magicians twist like that? Yeah, uh, when they perform, uh, but you never see a celebrity twisting around like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe let's let's recreate that let's put a desk here let's let's position the chair the way it is there and when you set that up you realize oh i see because he's actually behind you or (laughs) over to the left Uh, for some reason Mm -hmm. just for filming purposes that's how it blocks better with the cameras but for a performer He's kind of behind you to your left. Yeah. Um, and so it does, if you need the surface of the table, you, you're you turning sideways. Yeah. And the camera work that's on you is from the side. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but, but celebrities, they train these guys to sit, good body language, looking yeah. forward, you know, just maybe, re- you know, a glance over to where he is. You know, and then addressing and talking forward. So, you know, just setting up that situation helped me kind of understand what I was getting into. You know, and um, and and kind of worked backwards from that setting as to what tricks might be good. Uh, I I I had no idea that he was behind you, but that makes so much sense now when you think about the fact that the couch and the desk are even up, and he's behind the desk. Exactly, and and. Um, it's just the blocking of the camera work and the, the you know smashing it into 2d you don't realize that yeah. it kind of flattens it out yeah but once you really position it and sit in it you know, well man yeah. this is kind of weird and you know it's uh brave is not the right word but it's smart to look at that and go oh because you you know, you're on national television, and yeah, you would want to do your best trick, but instead, making it fit to that situation is kind I, of just I, making it so the much better. Biggest thing that I've learned, you yeah. know, over the, the decades is, you know, instead of trying to do your favorite trick or your best trick mm-hmm. and trying to make it work for TV, yeah, uh, no matter what the situation is, uh, is is a bad idea. You know, it's better to look at the situation and and think, what would be a good trick for that situation? Um, you know, like with um, Ellen DeGeneres. If I yeah. had done Ellen DeGeneres, I would have yeah. done something to do with music and dancing and Absolutely. maybe concentrate on this song yeah. uh, or, or, 
or listen to some music and dance, and I'll tell you what the song is by the way you're <laughs> dancing, uh, or something like that. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Regis and, and Kathy Lee, you're on these chairs. Mm -hmm. You know, and they see the thing that you're on. It's like, well, you know, what if you did the thing where your chair is wobbly? Yeah. And, and, and you fold a card up and put it under it, and, and now you're doing a card trick, and it turns out to be the card that's under the the thing. You know, I, I yeah, think well, obviously each, I'm that doing that when I'm on Regis and Kelly. Each situation, uh, you know, is a little bit different, and you mm -hmm. want to think of the trick that's good for that situation. Yeah. And not, you know, how can I, you know push this square peg into a round hole because mm -hmm. I really like square pegs. Yeah. Uh, you know. It seems to me that you approach a lot of your magic that way, though. I mean, that, I mean, that seems to be not just a something you learn to do for television, but when you think about the magic that you are uh, doing. Yeah. I, I mean, it's... I, I learned early on, you know, in one of my first experiences, somehow I got, like, the blueprints for building the shadow box yeah. illusion that was... That was just popular on Broadway and all this, and I think I, I can build this. Yeah, and I built it. You know, I went and got some two by fours and some plywood, <laughs> and and I built this shadow box thing. Yeah, which weighed about five hundred pounds <laughs> <laughs> when it was done. That's gonna do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Michael Lamar for being on the show, and thanks to you for listening. Next week we come back for part two of our conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it couple of local show alerts. As you are listening to this, I am in Toronto lecturing for the IBM ring and performing at Joker's Comedy Club. Also, the P3 Magic Theater has a bunch of upcoming shows with Seth Race, myself, and Dan Harlan. Go to p3magictheater.com to find out more about ticketing information. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform you've been getting ready for spooky season on. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you're going to have to get Steam to give me my $60 back. I do not like Starfield. It took me too long to figure out I don't like it and I can't get a refund and no thank you. No thank you. I want to play a game, not wade through menus. But if griping about the latest release from a AAA gaming company isn't your cup of tea, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T from me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios. Practice. Practice. Perform. Perform.